Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Good morning, everybody. How are you today? Yeah, you guys look awesome. Look around, man. This is like a this is like a September crowd, not a July crowd. It's, it's awesome. I love it. I love it. I'm so glad you're here. My name is Danny Rivers. Some of you haven't seen me for a while, so you're like, oh, you're our pastor. Yeah, that's right. You're that guy. Uh, yeah, I'm back. I'm back. I'm here, and I'm so fired up to be here. Uh, I, so, so that you know, in case you're like, did he quit? Did he retire? No, I went on a mission trip, and then it was so awesome, I just stayed another week. You know what I'm saying? On vacation. You know what I'm saying? So it was great. Uh, we're, great we're glad to be back. And I got to just say this before I move on. Um, most of you know this, but if you don't know this, we sent two teams to Costa Rica, one to a town called Cartago. They worked at a church in a little village called Paraiso. And then uh, the other, the, the, our group uh, went to a town called Tilaran. It was actually a town called Los Angeles. It was this big and not like the city in California. Um, but this, these teams, I, I just got to tell you, they, they did so much good work and, and, and moved the ball way, way down the field for those folks down in, in Costa Rica. We were so blessed to go and be part of that, my family and I and, and, and our teams. And so I just want to say, if you, if you were able to go, I, I, know you en- I hope you enjoyed it. Um, and if you weren't able to go, just please know that your teams represented your church so, so well down there. Did so much good work. Can we give all those folks that went down there a hand real quick? Yeah. Next year, we hope to uh, go to Costa Rica again and, and also to the Philippines to go visit the orphanage that we helped sponsor there outside of Manila. And uh, we're just going to keep going around the globe, y'all, and we're going to see what God does. And, and, and here's the thing. Um, while we were there in Costa Rica, we were, we were witness to um, a movement that's happening up near the border of Nicaragua where a lot of uh, Nicaraguans are moving south into Costa Rica, escaping violence and economic hardships because uh, Costa Rica is a very stable country, and they're, they're much more prosperous than Nicaragua. And as a result, there's a great need there that we hope to be part of the solution uh, whether that's an orphanage or whether that's a school, God's going to use this church to do something strong there. And then we're going to invite you, uh, once that's going down, uh, to just go, to visit, to, to support, to build, to help. Uh, it's going to be awesome. So uh, thank you so much for ju- jumping in. We're in a uh, series, and I say series, and I use that term loosely because it's not uh, one idea that we're stretching out like normal, like a normal series. Uh, as a team, we've just been over the past several weeks bringing the thing that's sort of resonating in our hearts uh, to use the playlist idea. It's the thing that's sort of on repeat and, and what God's saying to us. And, 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 and by the way, Pastor Andrew, he, he's out there probably running around doing stuff right now. He did uh, an unbelievable job last week. If you were here, I hope you uh, uh, were here to hear that. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, blessed by just incredible folks who work here and who, uh, who are doing great jobs. Um, so, the, you know, summer has a set of songs that usually define it from year to year. There's a, you know, a song or two, and I don't want to sing them because then they'll get stuck in your head and you'll be angry at me. You know, like Happy, that song. I'm not going to even sing the lyrics to it, but it comes around in the summer. And so the other night, my family and I, I, I just, uh, it was like 9.30 or 9.15 or whatever it was, and I was like, Hey, I really am craving a blueberry uh, black iced tea with lemonade from Starbucks. I know that's a lot going on. And anybody want to go? And they're like, okay. And so we get in our car. And I live in Holotus now. And Holotus, uh, I didn't know this about Holotus, but Holotus is like a, any old town, any little old town. Uh, sorry if you were born and raised in Holotus and you think I'm being negative. I live there. It's so cool. So I can make fun of it. Once you live there, you can make fun of it. Can I get an amen on that, right? 
And they shut down and everything at 9 o'clock, so we get to Starbucks, and they're closed already. And we're like, what? And so we're like, oh, we'll go to Sonic. We'll go, Sonic's right here. We'll go down to Sonic. So I go order, because you know you have to have a 44, the Route 44 uh, cherry limeade, right? Diet. Come on, diet, cherry limeade. And we're ordering it, and they're like, I'm sorry, sir, we don't have any ice. I was like, you sell ice here. So a root of bitterness is coming up in my spirit, you know, and so I'm like, well, now where do we go? Because even, 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 even uh, Bill Miller closes at 9 or, or 30-ish or whatever it is, but it wasn't open either. So I went to this other place that will remain nameless, and I just went through the drive-thru, and I was like, I'll have an iced tea, please. You know, and they're like, what? What else? I'm like, no, that's it. I just want an iced tea, man. And while I'm in the, I don't know why, but while I'm in the line, this song from like 88, 87 pops into my head. I haven't heard it in years. Uh, right now, I can't even call it to you, but it, I got so fired up about it, I downloaded it while we were in the line, and it was a song that took me right back to 1988, uh, summer of 1988. I had a 1976 Cutlass Supreme, y'all. Coop, coop, y'all. It was as long as this, ro- this whole section right here. And, and this song, I put this song up, and we crank it up, and we cruise Southwest Military. Now, some of y'all don't know about Southwest Military. Uh, anybody grew up in this town? Nobody is from here anymore, but a couple of you know. A couple of you know what Southwest Military is? And so I was like, kids, kids, roll down the windows. Uh, I, I put the sunroof back. It's my first time to ever have a sunroof in a car in my whole life, like in my car. Uh, and so I was like, yes. You know, and we, we went through my hood, right, which is filled with mostly s- seniors. Um, nothing. I love, I love seniors. I'm, I'm almost one, right? Uh, and I was like, put it up, man. And we drove the hood. You know what I'm saying? No, everybody's already asleep because it's an old neighborhood, right? And I was like, come on, man. No, nobody's even yelling at me. I want somebody to yell at me. But we rocked it. Song, and it took me right back. To 1988 or 87 when I would just rock that music and, and just play it out loud. Matter of fact, I downloaded like 45 songs or 55 songs when I got home from, from my 80s era. And bro, I'm telling you, if, you, if you're on iTunes music, Danny's 80s Jams. <laughs> Go find it and follow it. It'll bless your spirit. It'll put you... <laughs> it'll put you right back there. It took me back. And, and so that's what I want to do today. I want to take us back a little bit. And what I mean by that is there, there are messages and series that we've done through the years, not just me, but other pastors and leaders that have sort of defined us as a church. And, and if you're relatively new here or you're visiting today and you're like, what's this church about? I want to take you back to a message. And sometimes during the summer playlist series, we kind of go back and, and, and we'll revisit some messages. And that's what I'm doing today. A, a message that reminds us of who we are, what we're all about. Um, and, and, and I'll just say it like this. We have a saying here at LifePoint where we say that at LifePoint, everybody's welcome. If you know it, would you say it with me? Nobody's perfect, and with Jesus, anything is possible. So, like, this is foundational for us, that here, everybody's welcome. Uh, We don't care where you're from, what your background is, what you do, what you look like, what you live like. We just say you're welcome. And then we say, nobody's perfect, and that's where I'm going to hang out today. And then we say, uh, and with Jesus, anything is possible. And we believe that. Um, a couple of months ago, my wife and I were able to go, uh, we, we go every spring, we save up money from the fall all the way to the spring to go on our own vacation. We take the kids somewhere, but we go by ourselves because we just think that's good for our marriage. And I think it's good for your marriage too, just FYI, but I'm, I'm, who am I? Um, like if you can only go down to like Corpus or if you can go to like, uh, I don't know, if you can just go to Castroville, go to Castroville. If you can go to Del, just go somewhere with your fam- your wife. All right, anyways, if you're married. Um, so... 
we went, and it was a resort-like thing where they, everything's included. We'd never done anything like that. And one of the things that was included was a, you can sail. And they had like, like four or five sailboats. They were small, but you could take them out and use them. But first, you had to have a guy show you the ropes. And so the guy shows us the ropes. And he's like to my wife, you want to try it? And she's like, yeah. And she does it good because my wife's awesome like that. And, <clears throat> and, then, and then the word that I was dreading was, your turn, sir. And I was like, oh, no, you, you don't want me to do that. And it, it, everything was backwards. And so you have this little thing behind you to steer. And if you want to go, like, in a car, you, you go like that, and it's going to go, well, you don't go like that in a car. Anyways, um, whatever it was, I couldn't do it. I couldn't get it right. I kept jacking it up. And I was like, bro, look, just take it over because we're going to be in Cuba in a minute because I don't know what I'm doing. Now, as it turns out, as a sailor, I am completely inept. But imagine, uh, imagine that I come back to the beach after that lesson that I failed miserably, and even though I'm inept, I thought I was ept, right? I don't know if that's a word. I don't think it is. Imagine I say, hey, I'm such a great sailor. Everybody sign up right here. All the people get in line. I'm going to do sailing lessons right now. There would be a bunch of people lost at sea even right now if that happened. See, Generally, as adults, I'm going to say that carefully, as adults, we tend to know the areas in which we're not very good, right? Um, but there are areas of life that we can be sort of less than at and not know it. And I'm thinking specifically um, in areas of, of spirituality or character or morality um, or right standing before God. We we, we, you, you would say, well, I'm not a very spiritual person or I'm not a very religious person, but this really doesn't have so much to do with that because every one of us has within us the capacity and even some of us the tendency to look down on other people, to feel in some way superior to others because of our ideology, because of our political associations, because of our money, or for whatever reason. It's a very human thing to measure yourself up against other people and say, well, at least I'm better than them, or at, or, or at the very least, I'm not as, as bad as them. And I do this, I can, I'll be honest with you, I do this at the grocery store a lot. Um, I, I am the primary cook in our home. I've got skills, y'all. I'm just telling you. I'm just throwing it out there. I've got skills. But anyways, and I go to the store, but my mission at the store is to see how fast I can go. But how many of you know that there are other people there, <clears throat> ladies, <clears throat> um, and I get it, ladies, because uh, I'm throwing you under the bus, uh, but a lot of times you have kids at home and, and you leave them there with your husband and it's like a vacation for you at the store. <laughs> Especially this one right over here on Bandera. Dear God, you can stay there in a month and get lost and never find your way out of that thing. Anyways, so I'm like, just, I'm like, come on, man, get out of my way. You know, let's go. Boom, 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 boom. Like, how fast can I do it? And I always tell my wife, there's no possible way she could do it as fast as me. I'm judgmental like that. Anyways, but, but, but see, my job is to grab it and go. But some of y'all's job is to grab it and look at it and read the label. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, people reading the labels, you're like, what, what are you looking for? It says around the front, no MSG, no gluten, right? Like, well, I want to just see how much sodiums are in it right now, you know. <laughs> Didn't sound very manly right there. Sorry. Take a man card. Anyway. So, and then that's not the worst of it. That's fine if you want to look at the back. But you, you, leave the, you leave the card in the road, in the middle of the road. And I'm just waiting patient, not patiently, for you to read the label about how much sodiums. 
I don't, I've said it plurally twice today. Sodium uh, is in it. And I'm like, just, just pull it over to the shoulder, you know. Get it on the shoulder so we can go around you. And I'm judging you. And that's, I judge people in the shopping, in the, in, the, in, in the grocery store and while I'm driving in the car. Anybody else judging people in the cars? Some of you are judging me in the car. I see how it is. Well, we do this. And I'm being funny, but we do this um, we, where we, there's a, there are places where we think, well, I think I'm better than them. Maybe it's the gym. Maybe it's wherever. And we all struggle with this on some level. But, but what, what, what I want to say today, and I want to drill down on, is that this place, in this house, um, this is a place where we say nobody is perfect. Nobody is better than other, other people. And I think that God wants to do a little surgery around this today. And, and there may be a little sting to it, but I think there will be a real freedom that will come into this place. And even though I've done this message in, the I don't know, the last three or four years, it's, it's the kind of thing i got to say again and again just to remind us because I don't ever want us to lose the heart of this, okay? You with me so far? Like, I don't know yet. Let me hear what you're going to say. Now, Jesus knows this about the human condition that we are prone to measuring ourselves up, and, and, and it's especially an issue for people who are deeply religious because after a while of following Jesus, uh, we can start to think of ourselves as better than those who don't follow Jesus or better than those who are just showing up to s- investigate the claims of Jesus and to see if he's real or not. So Jesus, knowing this about us, does, he does a teaching around this, just this very notion. And he says in Luke's gospel, uh, chapter, chapter 18, verse 9, he says, to some who were confident of their own righteousness, which should be an indicator right off the bat, something's not right, right? To some of those who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Now, a parable, just for reference point, if you're not, if you're new to the scriptures or if you're not a Bible person, is a story that Jesus would tell. He would sort of make it up in the spot in the moment to teach a deep, um, deep underlying spiritual truth. And sometimes he would tell them in such a way to mask them from the religious elite. Like he was taking shots at them, but in a way that they might not know. So, First thing I want you to know is that we know who the audience is because he says it to people who were confident of their own righteousness. Righteousness being right standing with God, right? They think, these people think they're doing great, that they're doing better than other people, which of course would mean that they're deceived in their own eyes. And Jesus is, in his eyes, they're like, you're not, you're not who you think you are at all. Um, and, and this isn't the kind of talk that he's going to give these people that later on they're going to come up to him and say, hey, man, where can I download that and listen to that podcast again? This is not that kind of talk. This is a, this is, this is a talk that's going to cut some folk deep. Cut me real deep, Shrek. You cut me real deep. You know what I'm saying? I don't know why I said that, but there it is. Remember the donkey when he... Anyways. Um, verse 10. To, to some who, uh, sorry, verse 10, two, two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, which is a religious person, deeply religious person, memorized much of the Old Testament, very religious, and the other, a tax collector. Now, everybody knows immediately, because Jesus would tell these stories, and their first inclination was, well, who am I in the story? Well, this one, he makes it very plain. <laughs> some, one were deeply, was deeply religious, the other one was kind of an enemy of the, the common people uh, of, the, of the day. 
So they're like, of course, the hero of the story is going to be the Pharisee because he's devout, he's religious, he's good. The bad guy is, is the tax collector. Tax collector, collectors collab, collaborated with Rome. Rome was the oppressing nation. They were corrupt. They, they were cheaters, the tax collectors were, and they oppressed the people, and they stole money from their own people. Verse 11, Jesus says, Well, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed. And he says, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. The robbers, the evildoers, the adulterers. And then he sees the other guy praying over here. And he's like, or even this, this tax collector over here. He's immediately putting himself as a better than than this guy over here. He says, I fast twice a, a, a week. And I give a tenth. He says, I pay the full tithe. I, I give a tenth of all I get. And, of course, this is loaded with details that the people who thought they were religious uh, would understand. The Pharisee stood by himself because it was common practice that he not be contaminated by common folk, by the everyday folk. Like there, was a, there were some religious laws in the Old Testament that said you can't touch a person who is sick. You can't touch a, a person who's not a Jewish person. You can't touch anything dead. Uh, you can't touch a woman, particularly when it's a certain period of the month. Can I just... I didn't even mean to use that word. But anyways, moving right along. I was trying to figure out another way to say it, and it just, anyways. What am I going to do? It's already out there. It's out there, Jerry. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I haven't preached in four weeks. I'm fired up here. So just hang with me, right? If you touch these people, then you become unclean because the, the, they're unclean. They're, quote, unclean. Dis distancing yourself from these people was a way that you would say, I'm devoted to God. Thank God, he says, thank God I'm not like this guy, this tax collector over here. Now, how does this, Rome, this Pharisee guy know he's doing so well? He tells us, I fast twice a week. Well, the Old Testament only required that you'd fasted one time a year. It was the Day of Atonement, right? But he's like, I'm fasting twice a week. That's 104 times a year. That's 103 days of extra credit, he's wanting you to know, right? I give a tenth of all that I have. Matter of fact, if you want to see my public tithing records put into the public space, I'm fine with that. Take it. Look at me. Look how awesome I am. This is what he's saying. So then there's the other guy, the tax collector. He is a social pariah because of his collaboration with Rome. He's a misfit. He's a, he, they would consider him a loser. He's a failure. And here's what this is happening. Here's his story, verse 13. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. But, but he beat his breast and said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. So the Pharisee goes off on his own, and so does the tax collector, but for very different reasons, because he feels like I don't even deserve to inhabit this space where God's presence is at. I have no business. I've messed up my life so royally. I, I've messed up my life so incredibly that if God is not incredibly gracious to me, then I'm, I'm undone. I'm, I'm in trouble, real trouble. And, and this bears so heavily upon him, his guilt, that Jesus says he won't even lift up his eyes to heaven, which was the common thing. There's something inside of us that when we feel guilty towards somebody because we've harmed them, we've mis mistreated them, we've said the wrong thing, we don't want to make eye contact with them. Like, I, I don't know about your dog, but my dog is like this. Anybody's dog like this, they're, they're just, they're guilty. You know when you walk in the room. It's like we come home and our, we have a little dog. He's Carson boy. He's almost 12 years old. And still to this day, he still can't get some stuff right. You guys know what I'm saying? All the training. You walk in and sometimes like, he's like, hey, you're home. And some days he's like. <laughs> and so immediately we're like, okay, where, where is it? Where's the poo at? I know he did it somewhere. 
We know. It's, it's a fact. He's going to, he's like, for shame on me. He's like, for shame on me. He's either gotten in the trash can or he's left us a present, a gift somewhere. And we know. You guys ever notice that cats never look you in the eye? It's not because they're ashamed of anything. It's just they're thinking of ways to kill you and eat you. <laughs> the devil goes around like a roaring lion. That's a cat, y'all. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> I don't hate cats. This guy's guilt, this guy's shame is so, so strong that he beats his chest, not in a prideful way, which is what we normally do, but in a way that says, God, please have mercy on me. I know who I am. I know what I've done. Again, the people are listening and they're thinking, yeah, that's exactly what he should do, man. He's a tax collector. He's the worst of the worst. But then comes this twist that nobody sees coming, you see. Because Jesus goes on and says, I tell you, it's this man, the tax collector, that goes home justified rather than the other four. And here's the caveat for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself, he who keeps his spirit and his notions right, I know who I am, will be exalted. Jesus says, listen to me, I tell you the truth. I tell you that this man, the tax collector, the misfit, the, the moral failure, rather than the other, the Pharisee, the, the, the sort of devout religious guy, he went home justified, which means he was in right standing, right relationships with God. And everybody's jaw hits the floor. What? No. That's, that can't be the way the story goes. The tax collector, these people all knew what it was to be a good person. Like, you don't have to be a religious person. Every person kind of has an, an understanding of what it means to be a good person. We all know there are bad people in the world, evil people in the world, and we say, I'm not like them. And we exonerate ourselves for whatever our sort of worst ways are. And then Jesus says, for all of those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And this is the upside-down world of Jesus. And this is a phrase that I think is so critical for our understanding as a, as a community of believers. It, it's the, it describes the posture of people with whom God can work, and the posture of people with whom God cannot work. And that, that, that theme, that idea runs throughout the biblical text. There are people that God says, I can use them because they know I'm not all that. And there are people God says, I can't use because they think they are all that. And Jesus calls this, and I think this is a really important moment, he calls this awareness of and public confession of our desperate need for God. He calls this humility, and he loves humility. It's one of the capital virtues, right? No, no pretending, no hiding, no pretense, no masks. It's just, you ever heard the phrase, keeping it real? Th that's, that's the substance. It's the idea is you don't try to pretend like you're something you're not, and thus puffing yourself up and looking down on other people. And this is what Jesus is getting at here. And Jesus says, with this story, he's trying to craft, because he's bringing, he, remember, he's bringing the kingdom down, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. That's what he teaches us to pray. He's bringing it down. Up there is coming down. 
And, and he's trying to establish, I'm going to bring a new community, and it's going to be a place where everybody is welcome. Jewish people and Gentile people and slave people and male and female, all the people who had before not been accepted in. Jesus is saying, I'm changing the rules. Yeah, God, that's great. No us and them. Everybody is welcome. And nobody is perfect. And here's what that means for us at LifePoint. We're just saying, hey, listen, this is a place where we keep it real. Matter of fact, can we just say this together? For us at LifePoint, the number one rule is thou shalt keep it real. <laughs> can we just agree on that right now? Come, come on, can we just agree on that? For, for, for me, it's a strange thing. It's an unusual thing, I would say. Not strange. An unusual thing that the tax collector, collector goes to the temple. And here's why. A lot of people when they're going through bad things or when they've done some things that they're, not, uh, they're ashamed of, they, they, they avoid God, they avoid church. But this guy finds his way to church anyways. And, and, and a lot of people think of the church as a place where people have it all together. How little do they really know us? Come on, somebody, right? But, but one reason they think this is that many of our churches have turned into these impersonal gatherings where people come for an hour, hour and five, hour and ten, bump a fist, shake a hand, and then head for the door as quickly as possible so they can go do whatever they're going to do. And there's very little interaction. So we all sort of put on our happy face and don't let our guardrails down, even though we fought the whole way to church and we're hollering at each other as we walk in there. We're like, praise the Lord, everybody, praise Jesus. <laughs> Showing their braces and whatnot because I got braces, y'all. They're, they're right now, they're cut. Sorry, there's a microphone there. Right now, they're cutting into my cheeks. All right, anyways. I don't know why you needed to know that, but I just felt like telling you that. Um, so we put on our happy faces, and the problem with that is that gives the perception to people who might be coming w in with need or with hurt or pain or shame or guilt or whatever it is that they're coming, that this is a place where everybody's got it together, when in fact, we should all know that it's not a place where everybody has it together. But we give off that perception. The second reason that people will avoid going to the, ch the church is, 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 is connected to the first, is that they, they choose not to because they say that when they're struggling, they would be, they're, they're like, well, I just don't want to be fake. And they feel conviction or shame or they feel angry or hurt or broken and they don't feel like they want to go to a place where they have to fake it until they make it. And nobody wants you to do that. Like we have a saying around here at LifePoint that it's okay not to be okay. But we have a further saying that says, but it's not okay to stay that way. Not, not when with Jesus anything is possible. You see the connection? The, the, the reason that this problem exists, though, is twofold. The first part is that people forget that the church is the body of Christ. That's what the Bible refers to us as. Not just this church, but the global church, right? Made up of, of listen to me now, made up of sinners who have been saved only by the grace of God. Right? They also forget that Christ has forgiven them, and therefore, Romans 8 1 says, therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. So that if we realize this, if we lived in the awareness of just because I made a mistake doesn't mean I am a mistake. Right? Just because I made a failure doesn't mean I am a failure. If we would live in this reality, we would gather freely with the body of Christ, even in the middle of our struggles and our, uh, and our sin or whatever, we would come anyways. So, so where's the breakdown? It's simple. Nobody's perfect, but somehow at churches, and particularly as the church gets older and older, we feel like we have to act like we are. And that's a problem, and that's what I'm standing up here to say today. We will not go there as a church. We will always remember everyone is welcome, and, and when they come in, they're no less perfect, or they're no less imperfect than we are, right? We're all in this together. So church is not for perfect people. 
You with me? Everybody with me on this? The church is a gathering of imperfect people who have put their hope, their trust, their faith in a perfect Savior. And if you struggle in life, you should know your first instinct should be to gather with the people of the body of Christ. That's what you should know. Because people are coming and saying, hey, can I come as I am? Yes. Can I come with my questions? Absolutely. Right on. Can I come with my fears? Yes. Can I come with when I disagree with you? Yes. Please keep coming, right? Uh, Can I come with my doubts? 100% yes to every one of those questions. Guys, I have to tell you, though, that when people get real, when they go in front of other people and before God, and they just acknowledge, this is who I am, God, I desperately need your help. Or, friend, I desperately need your help. When you say those words, there's a freedom that gets released, I believe, into this body. When people will say, I actually need your help. I'm actually at a loss for what to do next. I don't know how to deal with this. When people say that out loud, there is, there is something that gets released that never gets released when people say, hey, I got it together. We're good. I'm good. Healing comes when you are known. Sickness remains when you hide. I don't mean physical sickness. I mean just sickness of the soul. Je- Jesus is saying with stories like this one and others that, that are very similar that he's come to start a new community and it's for the misfits and it's for the broken and it's for the sinners and it's for people who have been humbled because they recognize, all of them, their enormous need for God's help in their life. And the turning point, the hinge of the story is when this guy, this tax collector says, God, be merciful to me. I'm a sinner. That moment, that moment is the hinge. It's the time when he immediately becomes in right standing with God while the religious person remains at odds with God. Odds odds with God. What, 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 What he's saying is, when he says, God, be merciful, he's saying, God... I've been following my own way a long time now, and the truth is it's gotten me into some really dark places. God, I have to surrender and follow your way. I want to show you a little clip, and I've shown it here before. It's not a spiritual clip. It's from um, a lady named Dr. Brene Brown. Brene, just FYI. Incredible um, writer. Uh, She has such a grasp on this concept of of empathy and versus sympathy, and somebody took a talk that she did and made a little animated sketch with it. I just want you to check it out because I think it's, it's, it's at the heart of what we're talking about today. Check it out real quick. So what is empathy, and why is it very different from sympathy? Empathy fuels connection. Sympathy drives disconnection. Empathy, the thing that's very interesting, Julie Wiseman is a nursing scholar who studied professions very diverse professions where empathy is relevant. And they came up with four qualities of empathy. Perspective taking, the ability to take perspective of another person or or recognize their perspective as they see. Staying out of judgment, not easy when you're employed with some circumstances here. Recognizing emotion in other people and then communicating that. Empathy is being with people. And to me, I would think that empathy is this kind of sacred space where Hey, I'm down. I know where to help down here. And we are. 
I'll share something with you that's very difficult. I know that it is love. I don't even know what the right word is to understand. Because the truth is, we live in response, never something better. What makes something better is connection. So in Jesus' story, there's a little tax collector and he ends up down in the pit. He says, I'm stuck. I'm overwhelmed. It's dark down here. God, have mercy. And then there are those righteous, superior people looking from high down, down below. But then the Bible says that Jesus descends that ladder and he comes to be with us. The prophet Isaiah said that Jesus was going to be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. He comes down the ladder to be with us. And he says, I know what it's like down here, and you are not alone. This, this comes from one of the biblical writers of the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 4. And, and, and it says, verse 15, for we do not have a high priest, he's talking about Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, that's Jesus, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So then, as a result of that, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, not because of our goodness, but because of Jesus' goodness in, in such so that we may receive mercy and find grace to what? To help us in our time of need. That the first moment we find ourselves in a dark place, in a troubled place, in, in, a, in a place where we feel all alone, the first instinct should be to run to Jesus, who's been there, who knows, who empathizes, not just sympathizes with us. Question, when is our time of need? Better question, when is there a time that we don't need Jesus? Jesus comes right down into our cave, right down into our pit, right down into our darkness, right down into our sin, right down into our guilt. And you know what he says to us? Not, hey, get it, get it right, get it better, get it together. He says, no, 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 you're not alone. What he knows is only when you're being really you, when you're saying, hey, Lord, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. When we get to that space and we can understand that that's the space that God does his best work, no pretending, no hiding, that's the time that we can know that we are really loved. Not, not when we're so-called righteous, but when we're at the bottom. And he starts this community, and it's never been, there's never been another community like it. There's an old children's story called The Velveteen Rabbit. You probably read it when you were a kid. It's this classic story of this toy rabbit that's made of velveteen. He's not impressive. He's not expensive. He's not majestic. But he, but he loves the little boy that he belongs to. And, and he hears in, in, in a story from, uh, from something called the skin horse, um, a story that tells him it's possible for him to become real. And I, I just want to read a bit of it. The skin horse had lived longer in the nursery than any of the others. He was so old that his brown coat was bald in patches and showed the seams underneath. And most of the hairs in his tail had been pulled out to string bead necklaces. He was wise, for he'd seen a long succession of mechanical toys arrive to boast and to swagger, and by and by they would break their mainsprings and pass away. And he knew that they were only toys and would never turn into anything else. What is real? asked the rabbit one day. Does it mean having things that buzz inside you and stick out a stick-out handle? No, real isn't how you are made, said the skin horse. It's a thing that happens to you. When a child loves you for a long, long time, and not just to play with, but really loves you, then you become real. Does it hurt? Asked the rabbit. Sometimes, said the skin horse. 
for he was always truthful. When you are real, you don't mind being hurt, though. Does it happen all at once, like being wound up, he asked, or, or, or bit by bit? It doesn't happen all at once, said the skin horse. You become, and it takes a long time. That's why it doesn't happen often to people who break easily or who have sharp edges or who have to be carefully kept. Generally, by the time you are real, most of your hair has been loved off and your eyes drop out and you get loose in the joints and very shabby. But these things don't matter at all because once you are real, you can't be ugly except to people who don't understand. Jesus began this community where people could come and, and be real and be loved. Some folks didn't understand, but when people did this, when people got honest with God, when people were vulnerable with God, this strange power would get released. This strange freedom where a tax collector would feel the freedom to stand up in the temple and say, God, be merciful to me. And this still happens today. God does that. This, this power gets released. But it only happens in communities where people are willing to be that vulnerable with their God. In, in the story of the Velveteen Rabbit, it gets dark towards the end. The rabbit belongs to the boy. The boy loves, and he loves the boy, but the boy gets sick. He has scarlet fever, and looks like the boy's going to die, and the rabbit just keeps whispering and stays with that boy day after day and loves him back to recovery. And in the, in the process of that, a doctor comes and says, and he doesn't understand, he says, this little velveteen rabbit, he says something like, it's got to go, it's, it's, it's a mess of germs, and, and, and it's got to be thrown away and burned. And the rabbit is so sad, and he says, of what use was it to be loved and lose one's beauty and become real if it all ends like this? But, but then there's this kind of higher power that comes to the little rabbit and says something like, no, this is not the end. This is just the beginning. You're going to be made real. And the velveteen rabbit says, wasn't I real before? And he's told, you were real to the boy because he loved you. Now you shall be real to everyone. Once there was a man. There was a teacher. There was a rabbi. And he came to the earth and he taught like nobody had ever taught. And he loved like nobody had ever loved. And he lived like nobody had ever lived. And nobody had ever seen a rabbi that would love the kind of people that Jesus would love. Prostitutes, people caught in the very act of sinful things, and Roman centurions that everybody else hated. And he would love the Gentiles, and he would hang out with the Samaritans who no one would hang around with. And he would love even the lepers, and he would touch them, which was forbidden. And he would love tax collectors. And they, this made the good people, the so-called superior people, the righteous people, the devout people, it made them really mad. And so they decided to hurt him, and he didn't mind being hurt. He didn't break easily, but they decided they were going to kill him, and so they hung him on a cross until he was dead, and they put his body in a cave, and they rolled up a stone over it so nobody could get to him, and his disciples were devastated, and they were thinking, like, what's the use? What's the use of being loved and, and, and losing one's beauty and becoming real if it all is going to end like this? But then the Bible says that on the third day, his father said, no, this is not the end. It's only the beginning. And he rolled the stone away and he raised up by the spirit. He raised Jesus up from the dead. And Jesus came out of the cave and he was real. And he was more alive than, 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 than any human being had ever been. And for, for he was the, the velveteen rabbi, you see. <laughs> that death could not claim him. And if you'll let him, he will do in you what he's done for so many people. He will make you the real you that God had for you in mind all, all through your life before you were ever born. Because anything is possible in this place. Lord, just thank you. Thank you for your good presence that's in this place, oh God. 
God, I'm just asking you to help us to be the kind of place where it's okay not to be okay. To be the kind of place where everybody's welcome and nobody's perfect. But with you, Jesus, anything is possible. That in your presence, fear has to go. That in your presence, chains have to break. That in your presence, Lord, lives are made whole and broken places are put back together and healing happens. Not, not just physical healings, but we believe in that as well, God. But healing happens in marriages and healing happens in, 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 in souls and minds and bodies and, 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 and in hearts, Lord. Healing happens in this place. And may we be the kind of church that forever, as long as we exist, never gets to the place where we think we know it all or we're better than or it's just for us. May we never, never, never be the kind of place where it's not safe for people who are far from you to come and explore what it means to follow Jesus. Thank you that you died on a cross for us. Thank you that you came from up there down here to change it all, to make a difference. And may we partner with you, Lord. May as a church, may we partner with you and express that kind of love, that kind of acceptance, and that kind of grace, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.